Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. Let's get right to it. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts Program with your host, Steve Z. If you've ever been a law enforcement officer, or if you know a law enforcement officer, I want you to ask yourself or ask that law enforcement officer one question. Before you were allowed to carry pepper spray, were you not forced to take a shot of pepper spray to the face so that you could feel what it feels like to be hit with that stuff? So that it would make you more empathetic before deploying it willy-nilly, randomly, just because you felt like you had the power to do so? When you were issued your first less-than-lethal taser device, didn't they stand you up with an officer on each side holding you by the arms and jam that taser right into your back and give you a taste of what you would be inflicting upon others? Before you undertake the responsibility of carrying one of those less-than-lethal weapons, you should be required to get a dose of what it feels like. A Washington, D.C. police officer who claims he was injured in the so-called Capitol riot criticizes politicians who continue to downplay the attack. Guess what? It was nowhere near as violent as what was going on in Portland, Seattle, St. Louis, Louisville, Minneapolis, Chicago, and other cities around the country. And how many times have police officers used tasers or pepper spray or tear gas or rubber bullets in their lives on other people? According to NBC News, Wilson Wong writes, A Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police officer who was assaulted during the January 6th Capitol riot criticized elected officials for downplaying the mob's violence, and he said he now suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. In an interview with CNN's gay reporter, the Blafrican-American Don Lemon, on Tuesday, Officer Michael Fanon said, quote, I experienced the most brutal, savage, hand-to-hand combat of my entire life, let alone my policing career, which spans almost two decades. This was nothing I had ever thought would be a part of my law enforcement career, nor was I prepared to experience. Stop! You never expected in your law enforcement career to have someone assault you, Mr. Police Officer? You're a damned liar. Your very training at the academy teaches you that you will at some point in your career be assaulted. That you will at some point in your career have to deal with someone uh, fighting you, attacking you, possibly trying to kill you. You're a damned liar. Daniel Rodriguez was indicted earlier this month after federal authorities say he attacked Officer Fanon with an electroshock weapon. What? Like a taser? Like the same tasers that police use on suspected criminals? Do we say that the officer attacks a criminal with an electroshock weapon? Come now. Another man... Thomas F. Sibick was accused of assaulting the officer and forcibly taking his badge and radio, prosecutors said. Remember, prosecutors are known liars and exaggerators. It's what they do. They do anything, say anything, write anything to make someone believe something. 
In the months since the attack, Fanon, who suffered a heart attack and a concussion during the riot, said he started to experience some of the more psychological injuries. PTSD. The officer said it was difficult seeing elected officials and other individuals kind of whitewash the events of that day or downplay what happened. He said, Some of the terminology that was used, like hugs and kisses and very fine people, is like very different from what I experienced and what my co-workers experienced on the 6th. He made those comments, referencing former President Donald Trump's claims in a Fox News interview last month where he said some rioters were hugging and kissing the police, a contrast to some videos that showed a mob storming the Capitol. The attack led to the unprecedented second impeachment attempt of Trump, who kicked that impeachment in the ass just like he did the first one. Trump had held a rally before the little bit of skirmish that occurred at the Capitol, and Trump was promoting fraud and election theft. He was acquitted of that second impeachment, just like he was acquitted of the first one, because they were both witch hunt hoaxes. A couple of hundred people across the country have been arrested in connection with that attack on the Capitol. Some were Antifa members, some were BLM supporters, and yes, some supported the former president, Donald Trump. Rodriguez and Civic were both charged with federal counts, including knowingly entering a restricted building, violent entry, or disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds, impeding, obstructing, or interfering with a law enforcement officer during the commission of a civil disorder, and assaulting a federal officer with a dangerous weapon. Fanon urged the public not to erase the violence that unfolded on January 6th, in which this report claims left five people dead, including a Capitol Police officer. Of course, this news outlet is lying once again. The attack, the violence that unfolded on January 6th, only resulted in one death. The senseless murder, the cold-blooded killing of Ashley Babbitt, a white Air Force veteran who was unarmed, who was shot dead in cold blood by a cowardly Capitol Police officer, a black man who still to this day has not been named. Pussy. Just like Fanon. Pussy. He said, Fanon that is, I don't know how you can watch a body-worn camera footage of mine and deny that January 6th was anything other than violent and brutal. Let me ask you something there. Pussy. Have you looked at any of the so-called peaceful protests in Seattle? In Portland? In St. Louis? In Louisville? in Chicago, in Minneapolis, or any of the other Democrat cities? Were those not also violent and brutal? You silly. Oh, these exaggerating Democrats. Let me tell you something. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The head of the United States Border Patrol privately rebuked a senior Homeland Security official over the Biden administration's recent order that federal law enforcement stop using the term illegal alien for illegal aliens or illegal immigrants for illegal immigrants, according to three people who spoke with the Washington Examiner. Ahead of that 19 April announcement from Troy Miller, the temporary leader of the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the Border Patrol's National Chief, Rodney Scott, sent an internal memo to his supervisor criticizing the decision 
to replace those immigration terms with ones that are seen as less offensive by the illegal aliens. He says, This memorandum serves as my official non-concurrence to the proposed updated terminology for U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP Communications and Materials. I will not undermine this effort. However, I cannot endorse it. Scott wrote that in a letter to Miller on April 16th. Sources confirmed it was legitimate and that Scott had indeed sent it. The U.S. Border Patrol, USBP, is and must remain an apolitical federal law enforcement agency. Over the years, many outside forces on both extremes of the political spectrum have intentionally or unintentionally politicized our agency and our mission, wrote Scott. He, by the way, is an agent who spent 28 years and took over the 20,000-person organization in early 2020. He wrote, Despite every attempt by USBP leadership to ensure that all official messaging remained consistent with law, fact, and evidence, there is no doubt that the reputation of the USBP has suffered because of the many outside voices. Mandating the use of terms which are inconsistent with law has the potential to further erode public trust in our government institutions. Scott said the federal agency ought to wait till President Joe Biden's U.S. Citizenship Act passes Congress and then revise internal policy. Of course, one person said Scott was not the only senior Border Patrol official who has objected to the change in closed-door leadership meetings ahead of that announcement. Scott is not a political appointee. He could be on the chopping block come mid-May when the 120-day waiting period on terminating senior executive officials in government ends. He did not respond to a request for comment, and a Customs and Border Protection spokesperson declined to comment on the existence of the memo. On April 19th, Miller told CBP's 60,000 personnel to stop using the terms illegal alien, alien, and assimilation. The change represents an attempt by the highly politicized Biden administration to get rid of decades-old legal terms that were used by both Republican and Democratic administrations in the past, but are seen by liberals and illegal immigrants as inhumane. Employees were told to start using non-citizen or migrant instead of the word alien, undocumented for illegal, and the word integration instead of assimilation. CBP regularly uses the term illegal alien in its news releases and on social media when talking about incidents at the border or inside the U.S. Officers with CBP's Office of Field Operations work at land ports of entry. Border Patrol agents apprehend people who illegally come across the border between those ports. In January, Representative Joaquin Castro, a Texas Democrat, reintroduced the Correcting Hurtful and Alienating Names in Government Expression Act to prohibit federal governments from using alien when referencing a person who is not a U.S. citizen or an immigrant because it is derogatory. Castro's bill is similar to Biden's proposed U.S. Citizenship Act, which calls for the word alien to be stricken and replaced with non-citizen. Representative Henry Cuellar is a senior House Democrat from a border district in Texas. He said last week he plans to continue the proper term, illegal alien, 
despite the Biden administration's order that federal immigration agents drop the use of that term. I can understand, Cuellar said. Some people are trying to be a little bit more politically correct, but if you look at what the statutes say, they do use the word alien. That's what the statutes does, so that's what I'm going to do. And until the statute changes, some of us will continue to be using the word alien on that. I don't think that the statute is going to be changed, but I understand that thinking of some folks, said Cuellar. He's, by the way, the vice chairman of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security. He said, that is the word that's in the statute until we change it. Scott told Miller that he was concerned about agents' willingness to take personal risk each day, adding that employees' willingness to adhere to policy and professional standards is affected by leadership's support. In other words, get on board, politicize Customs and Border Protection, politicize the Border Patrol, politicize all the agencies, or your ass will be looking for a job at the end of May. It's that simple. Highly transparent administration. My ass. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Oh, where, oh, where, oh, where is the liberal media when a white man who was restrained on his stomach for five minutes by policemen lost consciousness and died while in police custody? Where is the outrage? Where's the BLM movement? Where's Al Sharptongue? Where's Jesse, Jack's son? Where are all the Democrats? Hmm? According to CNN, a California man who died in police custody this month was restrained on his stomach on the ground for about five minutes with his hands behind his back in handcuffs. And then he became unresponsive. Officers began CPR, according to body camera footage released by the Alameda Police Department. The April 19th death of this non-African-American man is under investigation by the county and the city. But when you call out Black Lives Matter crickets. When you call out Al Sharptongue, crickets. And nobody knows where the hell Jesse, Jack's son, is. A lawyer representing this man's family alleges the first police news re uh, release about the incident was misleading. The cause of his death has not yet been determined. The incident started at 10.45 a.m. on April 19th, when police officers in Alameda, just south of Oakland, responded to separate reports about a man who appeared to be under the influence and about a suspect in a possible theft. Officers attempted to detain the man, and a physical altercation ensued, according to the initial news release. At that time, the man had a medical emergency and died being transported to a hospital. The next day, police issued a second release saying the Alameda County Sheriff's Office and the Alameda County District Attorney's Office were conducting separate investigations into this man's death. But again, he's not a black man, so you didn't hear much about this on the news. On April 23rd, the city of Alameda announced it had hired an attorney, Louis Rennie, the founding partner of the Rennie Public Law Group, to conduct the investigation. The three officers involved in the incident have been placed on paid administrative leave, but their names and their races have not been released to the public or the media. 
The body camera footage released on Tuesday shows Alameda police finding the man outside just off a road in a residential area. It shows him talking with police while hesitating to give officers his name for about 10 minutes before officers then attempted to restrain him. The man appeared to be incoherent, continued to resist arrest, prompting officers to take him to the ground, restraining him face down as he struggled and yelled. Probably yelled, I can't breathe. But he's not black, so that doesn't matter. Based on the video footage, it is unclear what level of pressure the officers used. One officer says to the others as they attempt to keep him restrained, We have no weight on his chest, nothing. A second appears to warn, No weight, no weight. After about five minutes of being pinned down, the man appeared to lose consciousness. Seconds after he stopped moving or making any sound at all, a police officer shouts that he is unresponsive. Officers then roll him over onto his back and begin CPR, according to the video. Minutes after the CPR starts, the officer declared there's no pulse. He was then transported to a hospital where the cause of death has not yet been determined and it is unclear whether drugs or alcohol were involved. The autopsy and the toxicology reports have not been released. They're expected to be placed on hold for several weeks while they are finalized, according to Julia Sherwin, an attorney representing the man's family. The city of Alameda posted a news release and it said, quote, our heartfelt condolences go out to his loved ones. This outside investigation will provide an independent analysis of what may have occurred on the day he lost his life, tragically. Sherwin, the family attorney, says the body camera footage displays that he was unresponsive long before he was transported to the hospital. She said, The police department's press release looks like the Minneapolis police department's press release after George Floyd was murdered. Two officers respond. He resists them. They get him in handcuffs. He has some kind of medical distress, and they send him to the hospital where he later died. Comments have been requested from the Alameda Police Department to respond to the attorney's claim that the press release was initially misleading. The press has also reached out to the family and the Alameda County DA's office for comment on the case. This man was a father, a caretaker for his younger brother who has autism and other special needs. Alameda Police Department is lying to me, the man's mother, Edith, said. You guys made a mistake. Now, guess what the race of this man is. And if you guess black, you're dead wrong. He was Hispanic. It doesn't say whether he was legal or illegal. And to make any speculation as to that disposition would be considered racist for even assuming that he was not here legally. So I won't make that assumption. I'll let you do it. But the fact is, a man died in very similar circumstances to George Floyd, and there are no riots, no protests, no demonstrations, no arson, no anarchy, no looting. What the hell? The Latino, Hispanic population is 16%. If the BLM movement represents 13%, where the hell are the Hispanics? You guys could be tearing some shit up wholesale. Where are you, Hispanics? You don't have a good organization? Why don't we start a new group called LLM, Latino Lives Matter. That's right, or HLN, Hispanic Lives Matter. I guess that doesn't ring really true. And if you can't get Jesse, or Al, or Barack, or Corey, or Camel Toe, 
to get behind you on your movement. You're, no pun intended, dead in the water. We'll be right back. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. In an attempt to overplay, overhype, overexaggerate, and make political theater, Nazi Nasty Nancy Pelosi called out the National Guard and bitched and whined and complained about the so-called Capitol riots. You know, that mainly peaceful protest that occurred on January 6th at the Capitol? Nazi Pelosi has pushed back on the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman's account of the National Guard deployment during the January 6th event at the U.S. Capitol. During an interview on MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell reports on Wednesday, Andrea Mitchell played a clip of an interview with General Mark Milley. He said, there was no attempt to delay the deployment of National Guard. I mean, that's just false. Pelosi pushed back immediately after the clip ended. This isn't false, and I was there, and I can attest to what happened, she said. But let's hear people talk about it in a commission to find out the truth about January 6th. She said, I have the highest regard for General Milley, but he doesn't know the full picture if he's presenting the characterization that he just presented. The fact is, they could have been there very much sooner, and it would have been very much less destruction. Take a listen to Nazi Pelosi. Them, I want to salute them because they saved our lives that day. Um, maybe no one really adequately predicted that a president of the United States would incite an insurrection. He didn't. But they did save the lives of every member of Congress, risking their own lives. Them, I want to salute them because they saved our lives that day. Well, their lives were not in danger, as we all know. Most of them were not even in Congress, not even in the Capitol building. So what did Mark Milley say that pissed her off so very badly? There was no specific attempt to delay the deployment of the National Guard. Uh, I mean, that's just false. That isn't false, and I was there, and I can attest to what happened there. But let's hear people talk about it in a commission to find the truth about January 6th. I have the highest regard for General Milley, uh, but he doesn't know the full picture if he is presenting uh, the characterization he, that you just presented. Uh, the fact is, is that they could have been there very much sooner, and it would have been much less destruction than the rest. Okay, whatever, folks. It's just political theater, as always. Milley said his response to the rioting was super fast, insisting the approval occurred within an hour and that the deployment itself only took a few hours. House Sergeant-at-Arms Major General William Walker, who was the commander of D.C.'s National Guard at the time, testified last month that Pentagon officials approved deploying the Guard three hours after the Capitol Police placed a frantic call. An undisclosed document obtained by the Associated Press earlier in the month revealed that former President Trump approved activating the Guard three days prior to the rally. Three days ahead of time. So if it was going to be a riot, Trump was already prepared. It was more likely to be a riotous action by BLM and Antifa than the hundreds of thousands of peaceful Trump supporters whose only weapons were the banners and flags that they were carrying. The political theater, the lies of the left, continue. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And finally, if you're thinking that Joe Biden's speech this evening, Wednesday, is worthwhile, honest, 
transparent and forthcoming, you are indeed in need of psychological treatment. Biden proposes another slate of tax increases on top of his previous rounds of tax hikes targeting corporations. And he wants to use more and more taxes to defray the cost of his two massive spending plans. Raising taxes is hard for all those who use loose talk about money-hungry politicians. Tax hikes are actually somewhat rare in D.C. Democrats will be contending with tiny majorities in both the House and the Senate, and by the year 2022, hopefully with any common sense and all the redistricting that has to go on due to the mass exodus from places like California to Texas, liberal states will be losing congressional seats. Gropey Joe's proposals will only be the starting point of negotiations, and lawmakers have their own ideas. Here's a quick look at eight of Biden's proposed tax hikes, ranked from most likely to happen to least likely to happen. Pinching business losses. The most likely tax increase is actually something Republicans came up with. As part of their 2017 tax overhaul, they created a new rule barring owners of privately held companies from using more than half a billion in business losses to offset other types of income, such as their spouse's salary or investment earnings when they do their taxes. That rule runs through 2025 when much of the GOP Tax Cuts and Jobs Act will expire. Democrats have already dipped into this well once this year, extending the loss limitation rule by one year to help defray the cost of their March stimulus package. Now Gropey Joe wants to make it permanent, which is going to close the gap and be as close to a gimme as it gets when it comes to actually raising taxes. Next, a higher corporate tax rate. They wanted as much as 40%, and they think the current 21% is too low, so they're going back to 35% or possibly 28%. Either way, it's a stretch. How about more dollars from abroad? Gropey Joe wants to hike taxes on U.S. corporations' foreign income through an arcane tax known as GILTI, or the Global Intangible Low-Taxed Income Tax. It was created by Republicans, actually, to crack down on money that companies make from things like intellectual property that are easily sucked away in overseas tax havens like Bermuda. Democrats want to transform guilty into a tax on all of a company's foreign earnings, intangible, tangible, and otherwise, and also hike the special tax rate. Next, the tax hike for top earners. Deja vu, of course, as part of the 2012 Fiscal Cliff Agreement, which Biden, as Barack Hussein Obama's vice president, helped to negotiate, Democrats forced the top income tax rate back up to 39.6% from the 35% during George W. Bush's term. Then, as part of their Tax Cuts and Job Acts, Republicans cut it back down to 37%, and now Democrats want to go back to near 40 of course, what Gropey Joe tax proposal would be complete without a capital gains increase? And, not to mention, the angel of death loophole. One way around the capital gains revenue dilemma is by something called a stepped-up basis at death. Referred to as the angel of death loophole, it allows people to pass on assets to their heirs without tax. Kind of makes sense. Forecasters figure if people know that they can't escape capital gains taxes by dying... They won't stop selling assets to avoid the tax, and those higher tax rates could bring in more money. 
One challenge is administering it. People inheriting assets may not have records showing the original prices, which will make it difficult to calculate the tax. There's also the question about what to do about ongoing businesses that are passed down, still in operation, something the administration has acknowledged as an issue in their proposal. There's also the property swaps. The administration wants to do away with a long-standing provision in the tax code that allows real estate developers to defer taxes when they exchange properties if their gains top $500,000. Lawmakers have been targeting the break unsuccessfully for years. The provision wouldn't raise a ton of money, which means lawmakers may not see it as a worthwhile fight. The accounting switch, incensed by reports of big profitable corporations not paying taxes, the Gropey Joe administration wants to impose a 15% minimum tax on the earnings the largest businesses report to Wall Street. It's maybe an easy soundbite. How can companies tell shareholders they're making big profits but not pay taxes on those earnings? The proposal would be much messier than it looks, and it's not going to happen. Let's be realistic. The reason companies tell the SEC one thing and the IRS is another is because they're required to use two completely different accounting systems. That, my friends, is the shit show. That is the Obama let's tax everybody and only make the people believe we're taxing the wealthy program. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. That's going to wrap up this evening's edition of the Truth Hurts Program. Have a good evening and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts Program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Program Network. All rights reserved.